Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 20 to 25 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published in the week of October 10th, 2019 and runs for approximately 25 minutes. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 44 of Seat Yourself. Of course, Seat Yourself is the approximately 20 minutes or so podcast on all things that are hospitality tabletop related. I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself. And this week, we've got an incredibly exciting episode ready and waiting for you to hear. Our industry news segments will cover an update from the Hereka Academy set for February's Ambiente show in Frankfurt, along with a new menu trend study from the research firm Technomic. And in our company and product news, We'll tell you about which tabletop leader just announced the new president and talk about the latest acquisition for Churchill, China. We'll also bring you in on a new flatware brand that is finally making its way to the U.S. hospitality marketplace after nearly 100 years being in business, along with an update on the situation going on in the Durabur glassware business. Yes, there is some developments to report at Durabur. And then in this week's 60 Seconds with Shannon segment, it's all about bowls in our conversation with Edward Don and company's category buyer, Shannon Talon. It's how she sees the trend at the moment and where she believes it may be headed into the future. Bowls, bowls, bowls. Where are they going? Are they going to be around? And what's the future for bowls? Then, as always, we'll finish up strong in our commentary segment. This week, we'll circle back around to the idea of brands and why they matter so very much. Finally, I know many of you are coming to the upcoming host show in Milano. We'll be there and we'll be all over the aisles of building number nine. So as always, if you see us walking through the aisles, make sure you stop and say hello. We'd love to love to see you there. Now, with all that behind us, let's get this latest episode of Seat Yourself Started. And as everyone knows by now, at Seat Yourself, we always start with our stat of the week. And this week, I want to start off by saying, first of all, thank you to all the comments that you listeners had on our comments uh, about business owners of privately held companies and issues of exit plans. That was our stat of the week last week, and I really appreciate all the comments that you all sent to me. It's really a tough subject, and I appreciate that everyone who took the time to give me their thoughts, and uh, we'll keep bringing those kinds of issues to you in our stat of the week and in other parts of Seat Yourself. But moving on to this week. This week's stat of the week is 84%. And according to customer experience guru Blake Morgan, 84% of companies that work to improve their customer experience report also an increase in their revenue. And additionally, customer-centric companies are 60% more profitable than companies that don't focus as well on their customers. And for companies that are looking to improve their overall customer experiences, consulting firm McKinsey tells us to move from the concept of touch points to customer journeys. Improving the experience journey for our customers starts with observing the progression of touch points that customers experience whenever they work with us. Viewing how our customers really see us is critical to helping us reshape and redesign newer ways of interacting with them. Then, as we begin to reshape the processes, we need to rewire our company to become more customer-centric and responsive to the things that our customers really find important. And in this rewiring and reshaping process, it's helpful to start with a customer point of view and work backwards. When you start with a customer, it's the frontline employees you'll find that make all the difference. 
Reinforcement of those improved practices and new processes also becomes critical as we work to reshape the new culture of our improved customer experience journeys. It's true, improving the customer experience requires investment of time and always some level of budget. But remember, today's stat of the week is 84%. That's the percentage of companies that focus on improved customer experiences that grow their top-line revenue. And in industry news this past week, while many of us have Italy on our minds, and that's, well, that's certainly to be expected, more and more news keeps coming out about the excitement building for Ambiente Show's exciting new Horeca Academy that will debut this coming February in Frankfurt, Germany. From the 7th through the 11th of February 2020, Ambiente's Horeca Academy will be offering a varied menu of talks, of tours, and of insights, all focused on the world of international hospitality. The planning for the overall program is fast coming together, with more top-of-the-range speakers signing on to be a part of the action. Most recently, food expert and designer Dr. Francesco Zampoio, who will be sharing her many years of expertise with those who are ending the, attending the Hareka Academy. She'll give you practical tips on working in and around the restaurant trade, hospitality, and catering industries. Joining Dr. Zampoio at the Hareka Academy will be food presentation expert Ido Garini. Garini works with a variety of customers in the Horeca sector and specializes in sophisticated food compositions that look like works of art and can turn a meal into a very exciting experience. The most important element in Ido Garini's projects is the creation of the multi-sensory experience during the meal, and this is the subject that he will be talking about at Ambiente. And also recently signing on to join us will be London chef Joseph Youssef. Joseph Yusuf founded the collaborative gastronomic project Kitchen Theory and is an expert in sensory dining. Yusuf will be presenting a new study of multisensory gastronomy, which he is conducting together with Professor Charles Spence from the University of Oxford. Professor Spence was a guest at Ambiente 2019, where he gave an exciting keynote talk at the Hareka get-together on the interaction between our senses and eating and drinking. More details about the overall program and the schedule of the first Hareka Academy will be published over the next few months, and we'll have them right here for you. But suffice it to say that while many of us may be thinking about Italy at the moment, and that will be great as well, for next February, Frankfurt will be the place to be for the very best in hospitality tabletop. Ambiente 2020 and its Hareka Academy will be held again the 7th to the 11th of February. For more information, visit their website, ambiente.messafrankfurt.com. And also in news this past week, research firm Technomic reported on a continued streamlining of dessert menus throughout the restaurant world. Despite the fact that dessert is still a mainstay of the dining world, with 41% of consumers eating a dessert after a meal. All this comes from the just-completed 2019 Technomic Dessert Consumer Trend Report. As operators keep looking to optimize their dessert product mix, one of the big takeaways was the growth in topable beverages, things like milkshakes and hot chocolate, as well as spicy flavor profiles for desserts and dairy-free desserts that don't compromise on taste. And here's another interesting fact on desserts. More than half of diners say that their dessert decisions are, in fact, impulse-based. So presentation is going to be critical to increase the purchase of desserts in restaurant menus. So, okay, tabletop suppliers... It looks like here's an opportunity to come to the aid of your operators. It's time for you to bring suggestions on how those operators can more creatively present their desserts to take advantage of that impulse buy. And the growth of topable beverages means we can't overlook the opportunities for the right glassware serving piece to help an operator improve their dessert sales 
and the dessert profitability. For more information on the Technomic and their 2019 Dessert Consumer Trends Report, visit their website, technomic.com. And in news on products and companies this week, the big news from last week has to be the naming of tabletop and glassware executive Brian O'Rourke as president over at Crown Brands. According to Crown Brand CEO Tony Battaglia, he said, we're fortunate to have someone of Brian O'Rourke's caliber and experience join the Crown Brands team. We're at a critical moment, and we built an impressive leadership team to successfully implement our strategy and to take advantage of the market opportunities ahead. For those of you who may not know, Brian O'Rourke is an award-winning president and CEO and has served in top leadership roles for one of the largest tabletop companies in the United States, Cardinal International. Brian is well-known for building a platform of quality, durability, and reliability in the food service world. Brian has also been recognized for his business savvy and trustworthiness among several organizations, including the ABC Buying Group, with their Prestige Award that celebrates an unflinching ability to provide value on customers' terms. A category visionary who has a proven record of execution, O'Rourke is a strong communicator and is customer-focused with deep leadership capabilities. And about the announcement, here's what O'Rourke had to say. I'm excited to be joining a company with such iconic brands and look forward to leading the sales and marketing teams at Crown Brands. Crown Brands was founded to manage the alignment of three highly regarded suppliers, Focus Food Service, Update International, and Johnson Rose, of smallwares, kitchen tools, and food preparation products, and back-of-the-house storage and transportation products, all within the commercial food service industry. Then in 2015 and 2018, Corec Products and Tomlinson Industries were added to this impressive portfolio. And then, in 2019, Crown Brands Brands added the Oneida brand to its portfolio. And this added tabletop products to the company, becoming a one-stop partner for all food service in ENS categories. With over 200 years combined experience, Crown Brands has the knowledge, the expertise, and the resources to bring best-in-class products and best-in-class service to all channels within the food service marketplace. For more information about Crown Brands, please visit them at crownbrands.com. We interviewed top execs at Crown Brands during the NRA show, and you can find that interview on Tabletop Journal. And it looks like that company's forward momentum has gone up a few more notches with the naming of Brian O'Rourke as the new president. Congratulations and best wishes to Brian and the entire team at Crown Brands. And in other news this past week, Churchill China has announced that it has purchased the remaining shares of Furlong Mills, the ceramic materials manufacturer that they shared ownership with, with tabletop company Port Marion. Previously, Churchill had owned 56%, and the transaction now means that the 44% held by Port Marion transfers over to Churchill, giving them full ownership of the Furlong Mills operation. The transaction is said to have cost Churchill 3.3 million UK pounds and was paid from existing cash resources. Port Marion non-executive chairman Dick Steele added, Our focus remains on growth, profitability, dividends, and return on capital employed. We have a long-term relationship with Furlong Mills and will continue to work closely with them. And following our recent acquisition of the company Nambay, the opportunities and we, that we see within the group, we believe this capital will be better employed to fuel the future growth and performance of our business. Furlong Mills last year reported revenue of 9.6 million British pounds in 2018, which included 3.2 million in sales to Churchill, China. And in a statement, Churchill, China said, Churchill's strategy continues to be to offer innovative, high-performance, and technically differentiated ceramic products to the hospitality markets worldwide. 
The statement also went on to say that we expect full ownership of Furlong Mills with its substantial intellectual property will facilitate further material process and product innovation in the medium and long term and will contribute to the continued development of the company. Seems like a great arrangement and a good deal for all three companies, Churchill, Port Marion, and Furlong Mills. Congratulations and best of luck to everyone involved. This past week, there's still evidently some possibilities for the Durabor glassware brand as his employees attempt to restart the idled Belgian producer of glassware. Things are evolving in a very positive way, says Jean-Louis Delmoitis. He, along with seven other former Durabor workers, he's the former director of human resources at the plant, they've been driving a solid recovery project towards completion for the past six weeks. And according to local news reports, the Durabor plant has never been so close to being able to restart its activities. And two weeks ago, the former workers began the final phase of the negotiations, and that is to convince the local economic development company to financially support the project. And it's also emerged that the former team of Durabor employees are working with external accounting consultants to help complete the details of the go-forward business plan. These experts have been made available to the project thanks to the final financial resources released by the local regional government. According to employee team leader Del Mortiz, I met with them all on Wednesday. We talked for over two hours in the representatives of the local economic development. We went over the plan, analyzed it, and they made a lot of positive comments. The next step will be to defend the financial and industrial business plan before the Board of Local Economic Development Company. And while there's no final deadline date, the meetings are being held with the potential sales team, the accounting departments, and other department heads. And once this final step is completed, the local economic development company will decide and decide whether or not it will support the project financially. So I guess it's stay tuned. We shall see. But it also does sound pretty optimistic. The former workers of Durabor feel they need monies to the tune of about 2 million euros to restart the plant. This sum will be used to repair the kilns, pay the first salaries, buy raw materials, and make energy agreements with the local governments. The project plans to revive two production lines and to hire back 85 of the 145 workers that were present before the bankruptcy last May. So, stay tuned. We may still hear about another rebirth of the once fabulous Durabor glassware brand. Best of luck to everyone here. Let's hope for the best. We'll keep our fingers crossed for the revival. And finally, in news this week on products and companies, the Dutch company Amifa has recently launched in the USA, and that new launch has been spearheaded by experienced food service veteran, tabletop pro Jeremy Matola. The nearly 100-year-old Amifa is known throughout other parts of the world as a premium supplier of both flatware and knives, and now it looks to bring their collection of flatware and cutlery to U.S. hospitality customers. Amifa offers a wide range of 1810 and 180 flatware and kitchen products with designs built to suit every style and menu concept, from traditional to contemporary. We're currently working on a story on the Amifa brand and its launch here in the U.S., and we look forward to bringing it to you later this week on Tabletop Journal. Be sure to check us out there in the journal section. Amifa, the Dutch flatware brand, comes to the U.S. hospitality marketplace. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don and Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about the upward trend of bowls and the hospitality and tabletop marketplace. We're here with Shannon Talon, the lovely and the talented category manager for tabletop and buffetware at Edward Don and Company out of Chicago. And Shannon, bowls. 
This week, we want to talk about bulls. Bulls are everywhere, and they bulls are crazy. They're everywhere we turn around. There's a new bull shape. There's a new bull look. Tell us about bulls. There seem to be more and more of all shapes and sizes in use. Do you see this trend continuing? And are there really any other segments besides restaurants you can see that might really jump on the bowl bandwagon? I, I love bowls. And uh, I do see the... Who doesn't love bowls? Right. Well, they're, they're so versatile and they can add so much to a tabletop that uh, I really do see this trend continuing, but not only because bowls are dynamic um, and beautiful, but I think the evolution of modern cuisine in food service continues to lend itself to bowls for presentation. So that versatility that a bowl gives you can be used for salad, soups, ramen, pho, grain bowls, poke, pastas, entrees, just a, a regular entree with sauces, desserts, you know, the list goes on and on. And, and like I said, bowls also give a lot of dimension to the tabletop. You know, if you just have plates um, and your flatware, you obviously have some elevation with with glassware on the table, but it it you can see through glassware. Uh, you know what I mean? It's clear. So a bowl adds such a show stopping dimension to tabletop. Um, so I really do think that um, it, th- that trend is going to continue, particularly as cuisine evolves that way and different cuisines are brought together. You know, from a fusion standpoint, bowls just tend to be such a beautiful canvas for for that. Uh, and in terms of other segments, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we look at the hotel operators that we work with and buffets, bowl, the the same trend is there. Bowls are a tremendous canvas for uh, for catering and for uh, buffet applications. So, and and we're seeing product that's being developed in a way that bowls can be used for hot or cold applications. So I I think this proliferation is just going to continue because bowls can be just used for so many different applications. And isn't it true that uh, if bowls can be practical in the sense of you can use, you need less items as an operator, bowl can take the, one bowl can take the place of two or three different plates? I absolutely think so. And I think that as, you know, that's key for operators right now who have to be mindful of budgetary constraints, or maybe they have space constraints and they can't have a lot of tableware in the back of the house where they're stacking it, cleaning it, storing it, and also on their tabletops if they've got, you know, a smaller number of tables or, you know, not as many large tables, those bowls, um, you know, that real estate is a premium and bowls really help with that. So absolutely. Now here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about brands and why they matter so much. In today's commentary, I want to get back to a topic that we haven't touched on for a while, and that is the topic of brands and brand building. Overall, whether you think B2C or B2B, we can all agree that we live in a branded world. And while I'm sure many of you think that having a cool logo or a cool brand name is what branding is all about, I can assure you brands are about a whole lot more these days, especially in today's digital world where the entire world is at our fingertips simply by using our smartphones. In our increasingly digital, noisy world, in a world where we're all being bombarded with so many messages each and every day, more and more we tend to tune out the noise. That is, unless we have a need or for some other reason are interested in looking for something new. But we must remember that first and foremost, brands stand for trust. People put their trust in brands, like some of the trusted brands in our industry. How about a Hilton or a Marriott brand? Or what about a Darden Restaurants brand? or even a Holland America brand, for instance. These brands all stand for trust, 
and they work incredibly hard to maintain their customers' level of trust. But, as I said earlier, to be successful and to be trusted in today's world, brands must be much more than a great logo or a snappy slogan. Today, a brand's trust is determined by who the customer believes the company is, much more than what they sell. In fact, in the most recent Edelman Trust Barometer survey, 67% of the respondents agreed with the statement that a good reputation may get me to try a product, but unless I come to trust the company behind the product, I will soon, soon stop buying it. Today, customers want to know more and more about who they're forming a buying relationship with. And according to that same study, 81% say that I must be able to trust the brand to do what is right. And that figure showing that trust is essential is very consistent across markets, across ages, and across income levels. Whether you're in the U.S., in Europe, or in China, it's all the same. Young or old, men or women, it's still the same. Low-level earners or wealthy individuals, it's still the same. Trust is essential in forming a great and strong buying relationship with a brand. To me, it's pretty simple. We all want to trust the brands that we do our business with. And here's some great news for you brand builders. When brands do build trust, they get rewarded. When brands are chosen and trust is built, buyers of those brands will stay loyal longer, they'll advocate for those brands more passionately, and they'll defend them more to others. But before you get too comfortable, brand builders must beware. 56% of us see brands as quote-unquote all talk, no action, as more and more brands seek to make claims aligning with relevant social issues simply for the purpose of selling more of their products to us. All this comes under the heading of trust washing. Brands build trust first and foremost by being authentic, by actually being who they say they are and acting upon their words. Then, brands continue to build their brand and the trust of their brand by surround sounding their potential customers with their branding message. Once customers have seen your authentic and your consistent brand message on multiple platforms and places, their trust in your brand strengthens. That's why both message consistency and frequency matter so very, very much in building strong and trusting brands. Today, customers rank brand trust as an essential buying consideration. They want brands to do three things. Number one, they want to, brands to do what's right for their product. Number two, they want brands to do what's right for their customers. And number three, they want brands to do what's right for society. Customers today expect brands to remain true to their brand promise. And from a product perspective, customers want good quality products, good quality services from the brands they choose. They want the brand to charge a fair price for its goods or services. And finally, they want the brand to be viewed well by themselves and by other customers. In today's world, we're all much more careful than ever before when choosing the brands that we want to ally ourselves with. Whether you're choosing a, a consumer choosing a restaurant or hotel, or a restaurant or hotel choosing a tabletop resource or supplier. We all want to make sure that we're aligning ourselves and our companies with brands and people we believe we know and people we believe we can trust. And that is why, in today's world, brands matter so very much.
Well, that's it for this week's episode of Seat Yourself. And as always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talent, for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to make a special thanks to the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember to be sure to check out their most recent tabletop advisor. You can download it from their website, www. Dot don dot com. Just go to the homepage and scroll down to the publications section. We'll see you next time, but always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com. <laughs>